Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Amen. Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to see everybody. Who's glad to be here today? Yeah, awesome. Man, you would not think it is July with um, just how many people are here, and the last service was really full. Uh, I'm like, yeah, this is blown away at how many of you, like, you could be on the, you could be at the lake right now, right? Or, but it, you'd probably melt because it's so hot. But you're out here doing your thing, but uh, you could, you're here at church. Thank you for coming. If you're new today, I want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Randall, and say, I want to say thank you for joining us for worship today. And if you're online with us, worshiping with us, thank you for uh, worshiping and being a part of us. We'd love for you to come join us and come in live in person because there's nothing like being in the room, worshiping with other people, studying the Word together. And I know if, you, if you're out and you're missing that, you're at the beach, I know we have people traveling, but we can't wait for you to get back. And if you're checking us out, come and worship with us. Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out with me today. We're going to be in the book of John again. We are going through the book of John. We're going to take in our walk through this. We started about six or seven weeks ago, and it's going to take us about a year. We're just kind of going story by story, looking at what God has to say through the Scriptures Asking, you know, this idea of come and see, come and see who Jesus is and what he has to say to us, how he impacts our life, how he wants us to live, all of those things. So we are taking our time going through that. But um, I want to be just transparent with you guys right up from the start. I've got an, I've got a, an issue. Um, I'm really, really good at like <clears throat> studying and making a plan for something I want to do. Like I'll want to lose weight or something, right? And I'll study the internet and so much information, right? I'll, I'll look for all this information. I'll find the information and then I'll say, okay, I'm going to lose some weight, and get healthy. And then I will, um, and I'll come up with a plan for how I'm going to do it. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this on Monday. I'm going to do this on Tuesday. Now, and I have this whole plan and I'll even write it in my notes on my phone and have it all in there. And I'll make a schedule for it. And then I feel really, really good about myself. I feel really good about like, oh, look what I've done. I made a plan. Here's my plan. Anybody else do that? You feel you do that, right? You feel really good about it. Maybe it's make it budget. You make a budget and you're like, man, here's my budget. Get all excited about it, what you're going to do. And you feel good about making the plan, and you've got it written down on what you're going to do, but then when it actually comes time to do it, what happens? You, anybody else have a problem with like following through with it? Yeah, and we probably all do. You know, and here's something, here's the deal. It feels really good to make the plan, and, and, but it feels terrible not to follow through, Right? feels good to make the plan. There's actually a word, there's a, there's a phrase for this. It's called the illusion of progress. It's the illusion. You make the plan, you do all the stuff, and you feel really good about your thing. I think we have the definition up here for it, the illusion of progress. Look at this. It's the false sense of productivity, right? An accomplishment gained from planning and gathering knowledge without taking action to implement those plans or applying the acquired knowledge. Who honest here today, who, who is guilty of this sometimes? We all are, right? We make the plan, we do the thing. It could be about our money, it could be about losing weight, it could be about your time with God. Like I really, you hear a great sermon, you hear, you know, a song and it just moves you, you read a book and you're like, 
I'm, I'm just going to spend every three hours of morning with Jesus, right? <laughs> and you get so fired up, you're excited about it, and you make the plan, you're all this stuff. On a Sunday, when it's just right, and the music's just right, the perfect song comes on, we've got the temperature set at 68, 63 degrees, so you get goosebumps and the Holy Spirit moves, right? All those things, you're like, oh, I'm going to get excited, and you, made, and you feel good about the plan, but you don't do anything with it. That's called the illusion of progress. We can fool ourselves into thinking we're actually doing something when all we've done is just make a plan. It happens in a lot of our lives, and I guarantee you today that every one of us here probably have some area of our life that we want to see a breakthrough in. We want to see a healing. We want to see growth. We want to see change. And um, we're not doing what we need to do to actually change and to see that breakthrough in our life. Maybe you want to see your marriage healed, your emotional life, your, your mental health. You want to see it healed in your life. You want to see changes in your, in, in your practical things in your life. You want to see healing. And, and we've got to get beyond the illusion that we're doing something. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how we move beyond it. We're going to see a story, and you may think, well, how does that relate to the illusion of progress? But it has everything to do with it. Because the story we're going to see today, this man experienced a breakthrough in his life, a healing in his life, but he had to do some things to get through that and believe some things, and we're going to see that today from this scripture. So um, we're going to get there in John 5 is where we're going to be. And before we read it and talk about it, uh, let me pray. And what I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God, Lord, show me any illusions in my life and where I need breakthroughs in my own life so that I can experience the life you want for me. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we humble ourselves before you. God, you are good and you are faithful. Thank you, first of all, for your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for getting us here. Thank you for speaking to us already. Thank you for the promises of your word Thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to teach us today. Now, Lord, would you help us to have spiritual eyes to see our illusions and to hear your voice today? And, Lord, would you help us to have a mind that can understand your will for us, but a heart that is willing to live it out, Lord? Would you do the work in us and continue to draw us and make us more like you? Lord, help us to break through our illusions of progress in our own life today. Show us, Lord, so that we can be the people, the followers, the disciples that you call us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so John chapter 5. We've already walked through John 4. We're going to pick up in John 5. and verse 5, it actually says this. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem and near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind people, the, the lame ones, the paralyzed. And one who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. So we don't know if he was 38 years old or if he got crippled later on, but... He's been this way for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, and look at this question, we're going to come back to it, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. 
While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down and ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place now was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mats. If you don't know anything about Jewish tradition, Sabbath day, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't even walk a certain amount of distances. You couldn't pick up a certain thing. You couldn't even take your mat that you walk on. And all they care about is, why are you carrying your mat? <laughs> you ever known some religious people like that? Right? Why are you carrying your mat, right? And when he's been healed for 30, after 38 years. But he replied, the man who made me well said to pick it up. Pick up your mat and walk, right? So he's obeying him. And so they asked him, who is this fella? Fella, I'm going to say fella because we're in the South. Who is this fella who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now, later on, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. All right, we're going to stop right there. Okay, let's talk about this story, man. There's a little bit of history. If you don't understand, I'll give you a little background of it, and we'll kind of walk through it a little bit. So there's this pool there, a big pool near the Sheep Gate, which is an important gate and, and Jewish tradition, and the big pool with these covered colonnades and all. And people would go there to, if they were needed healing. And they would go because there was a tradition it talks about when the pool gets stirred, what would happen is they believe that an angel would come down and stir the water. And if you were the first one in there after getting into after it got stirred, then you would be healed. And so obviously something like this must have happened or people wouldn't be sitting around for years and years and years doing it. People would get healed. As a matter of fact, you know, he even says, like, when he gets stirred, I can't get there. So there's something to this power. So we don't know, understand it all. But we know there's this man there who's been crippled. And we don't know how long, but 38 years. He's there on his mat. So, so obviously every day someone would bring him, family, friends, whoever it is, they would come and bring him on his mat, set him down on his mat, and he was hoping that the water would get stirred. So just like any other day, he's gone there, and it's on the Sabbath day that he has gone, right? He's gone there to... Hoped he gets healed. He's gone to the day of worship and he's at, not at the temple, but he's at the pool hoping to get healed. And as he's sitting there, Jesus comes walking through. And there's probably hundreds of people who need healing. And Jesus is walking through and it says he heard about this guy who for 38 years has been coming and nothing has happened. So Jesus walks over to him. You imagine this guy just like, who's this guy? And who is this? And Jesus asked him this question. Didn't say, hey, my name's Jesus. Hey, how you doing? Hey, whatever. Just asked this question. Do you want to get well? That's an important question. Do you really want to get well? And what is he, how does he answer? I mean, what would you answer? Yeah. Sign me up for the healing. Well, we think we would answer that. But Jesus digs right in. You know, do you want to get well? And what does the man answer? Well, I don't have anybody to carry me to the pool. I can't, I don't, I don't have anybody. I'd like to get healed, but every time the angel shows up, somebody else gets in before me. Right? He like stirs the water, and I can't get in, so I'm just, I'm here I am. And Jesus says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, imagine with me what happens. The guy's like, what? What would you do? Who are you? 
Did he, did he sense something in his body? Did he, did he like feel a tingling as it went through his legs and down to his toes? Did, he, see, did, his, did his muscles start to be like the Hulk and go... Right, you know, imagine it with me. Did they just all of a sudden come on close? You know, if you've been, you know, you, you break your arm in a cast after six weeks. You got to learn, those muscles go away, you know, all that. 38 years, you've got no muscles. It's just bones, right? Did all of a sudden they go, whoosh, whatever, did his, did his, if he, did it like start, clothes start ripping? <laughs> we don't know what happened, but He's sitting there, and, and, and Jesus said, get up and walk. And the man had a choice. Will I try? Will I listen? Will I do it or not? But he just, it says this, he got up. Imagine with him putting his hand down the first chance time, and maybe people sitting around watching and listening, and they're like, what's he going to do? And maybe the man feels it, and he puts his hand down. And he, for the first time in 38 years, he gets up and he starts to walk. Maybe the muscles came on as he stood, so as he's standing, oh my goodness, right? He's coming alive, the sensations come, and he's standing up, and everyone's going crazy, and the man's, oh, you know, it's just like, what in the world? What a miracle. Maybe that's how it happened, as, as he stood and obeyed. Did he jump around? Did he hoot and holler? We don't know, but we know this, Jesus immediately slipped out into the crowd, and the man is looking around. He doesn't know who did it. He grabs his mat. And he goes walking around. <laughs> he's got his mats on the Sabbath. He has no idea. But he's breaking, you know, doing what he's not supposed to do. And those Jewish leaders say, why are you carrying your mat? I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know. This man healed me. He told me to pick up my mat and walk. And here I am. And they're not like, they didn't say who healed you, did they? What did they say? Who told you? Who was this man who told you to pick up your mat? Religion doesn't care about real healing. It just wants you to follow the rules. Takes his mat and he says, I don't know who he is. So later on it says, we don't know how long, Jesus goes and finds the man in the temple. And he says, hey, come here. And the guy's like, you're the one that healed me. Oh, he probably ran up to him, kissing his feet, whatever. You're the one who healed me. And Jesus says, Yo, if Jesus said that, I doubt he did. But he said, hey, listen, stop sinning. Is that a message we need to hear today? Oh, it's all about love and grace. God will heal you, but you can live how you want. Is that right? No, Jesus said, stop sinning. And look at the warning he says in the scripture. Or something worse may happen. Can't just live the way we want. Follow Jesus. It's about obeying him, right? He says, but he, and Jesus says, now go on. And then he goes and tells the man, that guy you're looking for, his name's Jesus. And man, he healed me. So beautiful story. I love the story. And one of the things I love to do, and, and we've been doing, I do a small group like this, and I'd love to teach you guys how to do it. But anytime you take your scripture and you open up the Bible, you can ask three questions. And get to the point of the question. The first one is this. What does it tell us about God? What does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about people? And what does God want me to do with this? And so I want to walk through those. And then I'll help you to apply this to your life. First thing is this. What does the scripture scripture teach you and teach me about God? The first thing I think we see is this. And I love this. It's that Jesus is full of compassion and mercy. He could have just walked by this man and gone on about his business and done his thing. But 
he goes through the crowd and he finds this man who for 38 years has been sick, been paralyzed, and, and he has compassion. And he sees him. And, and I just want to make a note, if you understand this, that's the same God today. You may think God doesn't see you, doesn't know your condition, know what's going on in your, ho- in your house, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your teenage years, in, in your college. He may, you may think God doesn't see you, but he sees you. And he has compassion. But not only is he compassionate, man, he is sovereign. He, he is powerful. Look at this next thing. He is a powerful God. See, we see this, that he has divine authority and power. He has divine authority and power. Here's what it means. That to have, be divine means he's of God, right? He has God's power and he can simply say, get up and walk. And people walk. And why can he do that? Because we learned at the beginning of John, it says, and he was there at the beginning and through him all things were created. As the creator, we learned about this and it's still true today, as the creator, Jesus still has power over every cell and nucleus and everything in your body is still under his authority. Amen? And you can believe that he can still, have, still heal today, still heal somebody's eyes, still raise the dead if he wants to. He can still cause the lame to walk. He can still split the seas, calm the oceans, and take care of every need of your life. Do you believe that? That's essential to understanding our breakthrough and what God wants to do in our life. We have to believe that he sees us and he has divine authority and power. And the third thing we need to recognize is this, that he offers grace and undeserved favor. You know what grace is? Grace is God offering what you don't deserve, what you cannot earn. What did this guy do to deserve this healing? As far as we know, nothing. He's just there, and Jesus comes up and says, let me heal you. That's what, that's what grace is. That's what God wants to offer to every one of us. Because here's what I know today about everybody here. None of us deserve God's love and favor in our life. None of us deserve healing. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve what God wants for us. But you know what he wants to do? He wants to pour out his love and favor on us because he's a good and gracious God. And he does that. And maybe you think you have to be perfect for God to love you. No, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect for God to heal you. You don't have to have any of that. What do we have? Faith. So what does the Scripture teach us about God? That He is God who sees us, that He is a God of power, and, and that He's a God of mercy and grace. But it, what does it teach us about us as people? What, let me tell you what it tells us. First of all, you can look at this story, and we probably all can recognize this, that we have human limitations. There are some things we can't do on our own. We can't heal ourselves. A lot of times we can't fix things ourselves. We, there's a lot of things we can't do. Last time I checked, there's only one God and you aren't Him. Amen? Some of you need to remind your spouse or your kids that you ain't God, right? You have human limitations. You cannot heal like Jesus can. You can't heal yourself like Jesus can. We are limited by our human ability. So we have these limitations. It's like this man. The other thing it reminds us is that like this man, we need to have perseverance and hope. 38 years, day after day after day after day after day, hoping, persevering, 
Keep going, kept going. And you may be going through something, you're like, is God ever going to show up? It might take 38 years. But we need to have perseverance and hope. But here's what I want to get to today. How do we move beyond just, you know, this idea of wanting to have a breakthrough in our life? Wanting to have healing. How do we get to that place where we don't just have this illusion? And this is what I want us to see, this big thing, is that we need more than desire. We need more than desire. So the man, he had a desire, we think, right? He would go every day to the, to the court, and he would sit there, and he would wait, and he would wait and wait. But Jesus shows up, and what does he ask him? This very important question, it's the same question he's asking you today. Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? See, you may think, oh yeah, he wants to get well, but when we really dig deep, church, listen, there's a lot of things in our life we may think we want to get well, but deep down in, we like being a victim. We like being miserable. We like our pleasures. We like our addictions. We like being weak. You may think, well, no, I don't, but yes, you really do. You know why? Because when you're the victim, you get the attention. Somebody carried me to the... Somebody carried me every day. Somebody went and got my food and brought me food today. I'm the victim. When you're the victim, you get the attention. When you, when you're the, when you are uh, in your misery, people may even give you, you know, comfort. And when you are at an addiction, you like your, you like your pleasures more than you like your freedom a lot of times. And the real question, listen, the thing that you want to break through from, do you really want to get well? Because getting well requires something from you. It requires more than just a desire. Do you really want to get healthy? Listen, church, do you really want to get out of debt? Or do you like your, your stuff more? That's the question. Do you really want to fix your marriage? Do you really want to get over your anxiety? Do you really want to get over your depression? Do you really want to go there? Do you really want to have a deep walk with God? Do you want that? That's the question. So what does this scripture then teach us about how God wants us to live? That's the third big question. And here's where the, rubber, where the rubber meets the road. Here's the practical part we live out. How does God want us to live by according to the Scripture? I think the first thing is this. And you may not see this. You may think that goes totally opposite of what the Scripture is saying, but, it's not, but it is. It's this, we, that in order to have healing and have, have a breakthrough and move beyond our illusion of progress, you have to take personal responsibility for your life. Amen, church? You have to say, you know what? I want to get better. I want to have healing in my life. I want to have this. And see, or you could be kind of like this man at first. When Jesus said, do you want to get well? What was his answer? Well, I don't have anybody to take me. Maybe he didn't. Maybe they could have set him closer. Maybe after 38 years, he could have figured it out, right? How many times in your life where you think, oh, I want to get better, but I just, I don't have any help. My spouse isn't supportive. 
My friend group, man, they're not in supportive of this. I don't have the community. I don't have the education. I don't have the resources. I don't have what you have. And, and so here's what you just kind of sit there. I want to get well, but... And listen, we have to get to the place. We say, I'm going to take personal responsibility for, for my life, right? I'm going to do this thing. And now, listen, at the same time, though, we have human limitations. We can't always do it on our own. But we also can't make excuses for why we can't. So the second thing we have to, we get to the point saying, all right, I'm going to take personal responsibility. But the second thing is this, we have to have faith in God's power to change you. That's where it comes down to. All right, I want to change and I believe God can change me. That he can break my addiction, that he can make me new, that he can fix my situation, he can fix my marriage. I'm going to take responsibility, and God's going to show up and meet me right where I am. That's where the rubber meets the road. We have to have this faith. See, God's power goes beyond natural laws and can bring about extraordinary transformations, church. He showed it in his speaking here, like, get up, when the man's legs began to work. And you may think, oh, I'll never change. I'll always be in this situation. If you believe in the same Jesus I believe in, He can heal you. But here's what we have to do. We have to acknowledge our own inability to bring about the change on our own. One thing I love, I was talking to Jason, who's going to be, and Jason and Katie, who are going to be starting our addiction recovery ministry here in a few months. And we've been through a lot of different recovery ministries. And we were talking the other day and said the, the ministry we're going to do here, at the core of it is this recognition that you can't change on your own. And if any of you have been through 12 steps, one of the big things, you've got to believe in a higher power. Can I tell you who the higher power is? His name is Jesus. He changes you. And you have to get to the place and you say, I cannot do this on my own. I'm going to take responsibility. No one's going to fix me but Jesus. That's going to change me. And we have to acknowledge that and getting to our place where we can't do it. So maybe that's where you're at, saying, you know what? I've been trying to change, but you've been doing it all yourself. And instead of calling on him to fix you, acknowledge your own inability. And then trust the promises of God's word. His word is full of promises of the power and the change he makes in our life i love this one here's what here's what we need to get and understand that if you are in christ jesus you have already been made new and we have to learn to walk in it look what it says second corinthians five seventeen. if anyone is in christ <coughs> the, the new creation has come and the old is gone the new is here The new is here. I imagine this, and picture that with this this man as he sat there. When did the healing happen? Did it happen when, before Jesus said get up, or did it happen as he got up? No matter when it happened, we know this, Jesus healed him. And he was a new creation already, and as Jesus healed him... He began to walk in this. And here's what God wants us to do. He wants each and every one of us to get to the place where we believe that we are a new creation. Creation. He makes us into new creations. And we walk in freedom when we step out in obedience to him, which is the third thing. We must walk in obedience to God's commands. 
This man might have sat there for another 38 years if he did not obey God. But he had to believe that God had healed him, believe the promises, believe he couldn't do it, that Jesus could heal him, and he actually had to get up and take his mat. God has made a lot of you brand new already, but here's your situation. You're not walking in obedience, and so you haven't found your freedom. It's when you obey what he's called you to do and take that next step that you find real freedom. And you begin to align your actions with God's will and start to follow his guidance. In ministry, you get, <clears throat> you get hurt a lot. In leadership, you get hurt a lot. When you lead people, you get, people hurt you, you know. <clears throat> and I've been hurt in ministry a long time, 28 years, and it happens to every one of us, right? We get hurt. And uh, when we get hurt, we're supposed to do something with that hurt, right? In ministry, and when you work with church people a lot, here's what I know, a lot of hurt people to come to, come to church, and what do hurt people do? Hurt people. So you work with hurt people a lot, and you get hurt a lot. And for years, I would just let that hurt build up in me. And I would get bitter, and I'd get bitter, and get bitter, and finally, till I got to the place where I'm like, I don't like people anymore. It's hard to be in ministry if you don't like people. And ministry would be great if it weren't for people, right? That's how it goes. <laughs> but in life, life would be great if it weren't for people, right? Your family would be great if it weren't for them. <laughs> and you get hurt, and, you know, and, and bitterness builds up. And I remember a few years ago, I was just at a bitter place and dark and bitter and depressed. And God said, you got to let go of all that. I'm like, well, and I had to ask myself, do I really want to get over this? Do I really want to be free of this? Or do I like my bitterness? Do I like this darkness? Do I like being mad at people? And I had to get to the place where I was like, do I want to be free of this? And finally, God just revealed to me what grace is. He showed me that grace, is like he showed in the story, is God's undeserved favor and mercy that he gives to his people just because he wants to. And God said, I want you not to just forgive people. I want you to give them the grace that I've given you. Don't show them the same love that you think they deserve or they've shown you. Show them the love that they don't deserve. And when I began to do that, I began to forgive people and not just forgive, show grace and kindness when it wasn't deserved, God healed me. Healed my heart. But here's what happens too. <clears throat> we can obey God and do those things. But then quickly, as soon as we get hurt again or do whatever, we go right back to our old habits and hold on to it again. And that's why I think in this story, Jesus showed up in verse 14. And he says, he goes and finds the man. He says, hey, you've been healed, but quit sinning or something else may come back. How often do we do that? We get healed, but then we keep going back to the same actions and we get to find ourselves right back in the same place. So for me, it was like, every time you get hurt, drop it, give it to Jesus. <clears throat> I'm another one of those. I have another situation where I'm, I make good plans. <clears throat> and I fool myself. It's one of those things like where I, uh, I tend to worry a lot. Anybody else worry a lot? All you worriers in here, I worry a lot. I got lots of responsibility, a church, family of four, 
And, and so I worry about, about you, I worry about my church, I worry about my kids, my family, and I worry about finances, I worry about making sure we have enough, I worry about all the stuff just like you do. And here's what I know, church, worry is a sin, amen? Jesus says, don't worry, I mean so many times, don't worry, I take care of the sparrows, I'm going to take care of you, but God, have you seen the situation? It's bigger than a sparrow. And so recently I've had some situations I've been really worried about, keeping me up at night, thinking about and stressing about them. And I hear God saying, lay them down, quit worrying, trust me, I've got it. And I had some situations this past week where I had some things I was really worried about. And, <clears throat> and then yesterday I had a situation that something I'd been consuming my mind and thinking about it, thinking about it. It got me in a dark place. I got depressed. And, and I hear God saying, will you just give it back to me? Quit worrying about it. And I went to bed early because I'd been up late and I went to bed about 9.30 and <clears throat> worrying. And then God said, give it to me. So I just said, all right, I give it to you. I'm going to go to sleep and you got it. Wake up this morning. First thing I do is get on my, te- on my phone. You know, you're not supposed to, but I did. <clears throat> and I got on my phone and there was a text just solving the issue. It's like God said to me, even while you're sleeping, I'm taking care of you. Why are you worried? You want to have healing? Quit worrying. Quit trying to pick it up. Just obey me. You'll know healing when you have faith that I got you, that I see you. Have faith that I can take care of you. Have faith to keep obeying me and then you'll know the freedom. Church, what's your illusion? What's your thing that you're thinking you will, I'd like to get better. I'd like to, this thing to be healed. Can you identify one in your life? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your finances, your health. Maybe it's your relationship with God. You want to see a breakthrough. Whatever it is, and you're just like, <clears throat> the question is, do you really want to see that? If so, take a personal responsibility for it. Maybe there's an addiction you know you need to break it, but you're not there yet, and you've got to get to that place you're like, I want to break this. I can't do it on my own. God, I need your help. And take one step at a time. Get up. Take your mat. Start walking. Don't worry about the long journey, just the next step. Jesus said, just get up and walk. Take that next step. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come and we submit ourselves to you. Here's what we need, Lord. We, we need your help every day. We have human limitations. Lord, we doubt, we worry, we lust, we lie, we get angry, we get bitter. Lord, we <laughs> gossip, we can't control our tongues. Lord, we got so much in our life and Lord, things we need healing from. And then we have real physical needs in our, that need healing in our life. And Lord, in our spiritual life, in our physical life, in our relationships, we need your healing. And this story is such a beautiful picture, Lord, of us daily coming, sitting, hoping we get better, but you show up. You tell us to believe in you, have faith that you can heal, to get up and obey you. Lord, would you help us to be like this man healing what is broken in our life, fixing what needs fixing. 
We believe you see us, you know us, you hear us, you want to heal us. We believe it. Help us to believe and have faith in your sovereign, divine power and authority to change what we can't change. Help us to get up and obey you. As you just sit quietly for a moment, let me ask you, what's, where's your, can you identify your illusion Where is it that you keep making plans and hoping to change, but nothing changes? Would you thank God right now for his sovereign power and ability to change this thing and change you? Now say this, Lord, would you help me to take the first step? And the second, the third, but Lord, the first step. We love you. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.